It is Christmas time here, everybody. Woohoo! All I want for Christmas is a special bonus episode of Escaping Reality. And if you don't, then why? Naughty list. <laughs> I'm feeling an extra jolly holly because today we have a special bonus episode coming at you. And today we are talking about the holiday baking championship from Food Network. This is one of my favorite reality competition shows to watch because it is so dumb. It is so stupid and it involves food and I am fat. So I like to watch it. We also have a fun, special, beautiful, gorgeous, sexy, red-headed guest coming at you. And we're going to get to her in a second. But first off, I am joined by the regular crew. What up, Adel Tantulo? You know, Nick, <laughs> your intros have floored me before, but something about this one really, like, struck me. I'm finding it difficult to find the words, honestly. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Stacy, coming at you. How are you feeling this holiday season? I'm great. You're another level, but I support it fully. I will say I had pumpkin in my coffee today that I made at home. So I'm in the spirit. How very on brand. We are going to talk about pumpkin and pumpkin spice in a moment. Because how topical is that? And then we've got Aggie. Um, one, I agree with Anna. What a start. But you know what? It's the Jolly Holly for me. <laughs> oh, that was backwards. <laughs> and it was so important. You didn't even, like, you didn't even falter. But that's what it is for me. I enjoyed it so immensely. I hope you've been enjoying our three episodes a week. Glad we can spice it up with some holiday cheer. Ooh, spice, pumpkin spice, Christmas spice, all spice. How very baking competition are we? <laughs> and like I mentioned in that amazing intro that I've gotten so many compliments about, we have a beautiful special guest with us. Give it up for the one, the only, Ellen Marzalkowski. Ellen is an amazing fashion photographer. I'm going to let her talk about her own stuff and plug her own shit in a second. But Ellen has also been one of mine and Anna's best friend for 10 plus years. We all met at theater camp, in case you didn't notice. Don't tell people that. <laughs> I know. Be cool. It's awesome that she gets to join in on our little adventure that we've been doing. Yeah, thanks for having me. Ellen, tell us a little bit about yourself. What is you? What do you do? What am I? I don't know. I'm an anomaly. So right now I'm going to school at FIT. I major in photography. She is an amazing photographer. Um, we'll plug her Instagram in the bio of this episode and also on our Instagram ourselves. It's at welcome to Mars with an SZ at the end. She has been featured on Italian Vogue's website. And so she's just amazing. She's awesome. And I'm not just saying that because she is one of my best friends. I'm saying it because it's true. Um, Ellen, how have you been escaping reality in this 2020 dumpster? fire that we call a home well let's start off with white claw that's been helping <laughs> um, and then just trying to keep busy and keep my mind off the craziness that is happening you know in this world just gotta stay with the positive and you know focus on that and hopefully we'll get through this soon we can only hope and pray in this moment um we are a reality competition show based podcast so 
Ellen, what kind of reality competition shows do you like to watch? And I ask you as if I already don't know the answer to this question, <laughs> but Stacy and Aggie don't know you as well as me and Anna. So, so tell them, speak to them, speak to the listeners. Oh, good. Um, so first and foremost, Love Island UK, 55 freaking episodes. They were my everything. There were ups, there were downs, there were twists, there were turns. <laughs> also, <laughs> anything RuPaul, we always bond on that, brings pure joy to everyone who watches it. I don't really watch Survivor, so I'm not going to lie about that. We all have our flaws. <laughs> but I listen to the podcast, so I get like little like bits and pieces. I feel like I do watch it. I know Anna's favorite <laughs> Survivor season is 10, I believe. Oh my God. Okay, oh. so you don't even need to watch. Just listen to us. And we'll, exactly. We'll get I feel like I know everyone. Well, with that, we are going to dive into today's special holiday-themed show. And before we even get into this competition that we watched, because we will, and that will take us on a whole different journey, I want to get to know about y'all and what makes Christmas special for you? What do you love about Christmas and the holiday season? Uh, coming from myself, I'm a slut for Christmas. I have started celebrating Christmas um, from October until the end of December. It is the greatest time of year. You just cannot be sad during it. And also, you know, make the Yuletides gay. It is my turn. It is my time. Christmas is just a second grade pride month. It is curated by Mariah Carey. So same, same, but different. Um, but how do y'all feel about Christmas and just the holiday season? Does it make you feel all warm and bubbly inside? Stacy? what about you? I I mean, Christmas is my favorite uh, holiday for sure. And I, I mean, I like thank this time from Thanksgiving to Christmas. I love that time of year because everyone's just a little happier, you know, a little jollier in general. But yeah, I mean, my family doesn't have a ton of traditions. I mean, you know, we do gifts, we do food, all that stuff. Gift giving is my love language though. So I personally love getting to find gifts for people that they didn't even know they wanted, but they want. That's my, my skill. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I love some good Christmas movies. I have already dug into those, into the Lifetime and Netflix and all of those movies. Couldn't tell you the names because they all kind of are the same, <laughs> but, <laughs> but they're good. Anna, what about you and this Christmas time season cool. that makes it special? I don't know about you guys, but I am depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you say you can't be sad at Christmas, but wow, 2020 is giving us a run for our money. But I love Christmas. It does uplift you. I agree with Stacy. I'm a strictly post Thanksgiving Christmas celebrator. I can't get into it before that because to me, Christmas is sacred. And the, the shorter amount of time that we have for it, the more special it feels. So I'm strictly like no Christmas music or movies until December 1st. But I feel like this year I'm having a hard time getting into the spirit because I don't see, you know, shop windows. I don't hear Christmas music when I go out because I don't go out. So it's been a little bit harder to get into the spirit, but certainly uh, the Holiday Baking Championship has helped me do so. Beautiful. I disagree that it comes after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving isn't a real thing to me. Um, Thanksgiving anyway. may not be a real thing, but December is a real thing. It's in the calendar. Look it up. December. <laughs> But I mean, I, I love Christmas. I love listening to the music and watching classic Christmas movies. I'm notoriously a bad gift giver, though. So I, I can't say that I'm the same as Stacy, where gift giving is my love language. I like to give gifts. I just, as soon as I stop and try to think of what someone likes, it's as if I've never met them. 
Like even my family, I'm like, Ooh, let me shop for so-and-so. What, what are they like? I can't think of a single thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Speaking of somebody who loves to give gifts, Ellen, what about you? What is Christmas time special for you? I start Christmas shopping in August. Yes. I love a little Christmas joy all year long. Also, I love giving gifts. I'm always nice to Ellen because I can always count on a good gift come December. Aggie, what about you and Christmas time? I'm in the camp of Christmas starts November 1st, but that's mostly because my family's Australian. So Thanksgiving wasn't really a thing for us. Like it's a nice holiday and giving thanks is a lovely idea, but my family didn't get it. Like we didn't, we weren't homegrown Americans. Like we didn't understand why people, like what the sort of purpose was, but also saying that my family is Australian, I spend most of my Christmases in Australia. This is the first year I haven't gone in, I think like nine years. And so one, thanks for that COVID, appreciate you. Um, but second, most of my Christmases are spent on the beach because um, it's summertime, um, which is pretty lit. You like get out and there's like a pine tree or an artificial tree, but it's mm-hmm. 85, 95 degrees. And like, you can go to the beach every day. My Christmas traditions, we always start on my mom's side of the family and we do eggs and bacon on the Barbie in the morning. And like the whole family comes over, we open presents together. Then we go to my aunt's house for lunch and she always does like a prawn quiche and like these really just tasty, yummy things. And then um, I always go to my dad's family for dinner and they do like, I'm not a huge seafood person, but Australians are in general. And they do like prawns and oysters and like this whole seafood dinner. And you like sit outside in the beautiful summer night air and like open presents. And it's just like lovely and wonderful. So my Christmas always looks a little bit different. I'm not a white Christmas person. I would rather have sand. I'm a white sand Christmas, if you will. But I'm not doing that this year. So maybe I'll have an actual white Christmas in this New York City. I will also say New York City is the best place to be for the holidays. It's just magical. Getting into this baking championship that we were watching, uh, before we even jump into the show, do you guys like to bake? Are you bakers? Do you make the cookies? Is that like a Christmas tradition for y'all? Because I'm going to be honest, my mom makes six different types of cookies, three batches of each type. We have like over 300 cookies in our freezer at one point during the Christmas time. Like we make all these types of cookies. It's such a big thing in my house. And that's one of the big reasons I'm so happy to be home is because I haven't been able to be a part of that Christmas tradition and do that aspect with my mom in such a long time from being at college or being in New York working. And so I'm so happy to have that experience. And I'm just wondering, like, do do y'all have similar experiences to that around baking during the holiday season? If by traditions around baking, you mean I eat what you bake, then yes. But Nicholas would be really proud of me on Thanksgiving. I was like, I want cake. So I made myself a funfetti cake and I got the green and red icing with the fun like Christmas um, sprinkles. Yay! It slowly and it was really delightful. I always love a good, what are they called? The like Pillsbury ones with the sh- with the printed pictures on them with like the Christmas tree or the reindeers and you just like oh, yeah. lock them on a thing and just they make perfect cookies. That's my version of baking. She's not a, she's not a, she's not a baker. She's not a whole baker. other people do it though. She's not a home baker. Anna, what about you? So funnily enough, uh, my answer is no, but my answer is also sometimes I remember that when I was in high school, I started with my friend something that was called Baking Slash Teacher Appreciation Club, where each (laughs) week we would pick two teachers out of a hat and we would like bake something like extravagant. 
Um, I don't know where that com- came from or where it went, but like, no, I do not bake. <laughs> like I suggested <laughs> to my family at Thanksgiving that we bake a pie. Everybody shut me down. So we are in it for like very like beautiful, intricate desserts, which like there's no way we're going to make it ourselves. So we might as well shop small, support a local business and get something that someone made because they're talented. Speaking of talented, Stacy, what about you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, when I think of baking at the holidays, it all starts with the easy bake oven that I got as a gift when I was, I don't know, six, seven, I don't know. So if you count that, I've been baking for a long time. But, (laughs) But these days, I always like to make a pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, really anytime I can. My family is no longer fans of my pumpkin pie. So they've started to hint that I should pick up a new recipe, but I like, I'll eat it myself. So I make the pumpkin pie. My mom usually makes a sweet potato pie. I feel like that's a more Southern thing. Um, And then my sister will bake something too. So, I mean, baking is not like my forte, but I have to have the pumpkin pie. The fact that you brought up an easy bake oven is so important to me. As a little baby gay, all I wanted was an easy bake oven and I asked for it for so many years and never received one. <laughs> and there's this girl in elementary school who had an easy bake oven and I hated her, but I was her friend because I wanted to play with the easy bake oven. This is not about easy bake oven. We're talking about baking around the holidays. Ellen, being around your family at the holidays, I know your mom makes cookies all the time. So what is this for you? First of all, Stacy, if your family doesn't want the pumpkin pie, I will take it. It's one of my favorites. I love it. It's the best. It is the best. Also, my mom loves to make a rum ball and no one in my like 50 million like family, peace family, will eat it but her. So she really just makes herself rum balls every year. (laughs) But um, I don't bake, I decorate. Does that count? My mom is very known for making these very elaborate cutout cookies. Ever since I was a child, like you have to learn the special techniques. And if you don't, it doesn't get taken to grandma's house for everyone to see. You will oh be, yours will be left only the best are chosen and <laughs> if they're bad she'll look at you and say do better and she says it in the most terrible way that you know that she doesn't mean it that way but you're still heartbroken and my dad's not allowed to frost him anymore because he once made an angel he broke off the wings and like put on the wings on the top it somehow looked like the angel had boobs then and we said Dennis you're not allowed to frost anymore so I just decorate. I can't really bake. That's that's the end of my story. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, honestly, decorating is half of the competition. And with that smooth transition, we're going to finally jump into this week's competition show that we all watched and are ready to talk about, which is Food Network's Holiday Baking Championship. If you want to go back and watch along with us or make sure that you're watching the right season, we watched season five because it was the most recent that was on Hulu for us to watch. In this competition, we had nine bakers come in to compete for $25,000. Yep, that's it. That's all Food Network could afford. (laughs) But don't worry. They also gave them a YouTube video on foodnetwork.com and a spread in Food Network magazine. So not a total loss. Um, The bakers who came into this competition ready to compete and to become 
a holiday baking champion. We had Mr. Nolan, who was a professional baker. Larome, and also professional baker. Chantel, professional. Dan, professional. Jamie, professional. And then we had Sherry, who was a home baker. Sarah, who was a Miss Professional Baker. Julia, who was another home baker. And Douglas, who was a professional. So out of the nine, we had two that were home bakers. And I just think that's an interesting idea because I think it always gets into the competitor's mind when they come into shows like this. And they're like, I'm a home baker. I need to prove myself. They're just like, I need to prove that like I can't, I can make other things and that I'm a home baker. I don't know if anybody else picked up on that, but I just thought it was something to point out. Nick, I was just going to say, if you compare it to other baking shows, like the concept behind Great British Bake Off is that they're all home bakers. Right. So in that show, it's a little bit less scary to be labeled a home baker because that's what everyone is. So like, there's no professional aspect to it. It's just like, you're trying to be the best home baker. You're being judged as if you are a professional, but you are not. And no one else in the tent is. Some may have studied more than others or been baking longer than others, but it was really like a time thing rather than a like, I've studied this professional thing. In this show, it was, I was shocked at how many of them were like, had their own bakery already. I was like, what the hell? Like so many of them had their own bakery already. Um, and they were just trying to put money into it. A few of them were trying to get enough money to open their own place. And then I felt like the home bakers were just like, oh, I don't know, like, it'll just like fund my baking. And I was like, oh, that's nice. That's adorable. I think um, one of them wanted to fund an engagement ring. <laughs> I'm like, go off. I think what's wild about it is like, as a home baker, you would have some of the same skills, like maybe not to the extent that the professionals do. But for me, it's not about the baking so much as the decorating. Because Mm -hmm. if you're a professional baker, you have like the tools and the materials. And that's not to say that you don't have them as a home baker. But like, if you're a home baker, how often are you making like insane decorated cakes? Like I get being able to bake the thing and to have the flavors. But like, who's got fondant? Right. Um, some home bakers make it <laughs> fun fact about me when I was younger I thought I wanted to be a pastry chef and as soon as I found out that you needed to like know math <laughs> I was out I was like mm, no not interested at all not for me done oh god this is why Anna and Ellen are my friends because we're all dumb okay well I didn't <laughs> say that but carry on Oh my god. I mean, I wouldn't disagree for me. Maybe not Anna, but I wouldn't disagree for me. She's not a math gal. She's not a math gal. She doesn't claim to be. Anyway, this is a new type of competition show that we are discussing. For those of you who are longtime listeners at this point, we discuss Survivor. And like we've been discussing Survivor working season by season, which is a completely different type of reality competition show than this one we just watched. And I think it's interesting to kind of dive into, do we see anything similar from Survivor to the Holiday Baking Championship and to definitely not like in the alliance or the gameplay aspect, but I was thinking more so along the lines of, do you know who's the winner from the beginning? Are you noticing anybody getting a winner's edit and anybody getting a villain's edit or something along those lines? that we always pick up and see in Survivor. I don't think we got many of that in this show, but Stacey, what do you think? Yeah, I didn't notice a lot of that. I mean, I will say this was a little harder for me to watch and get into than Survivor. So I could have also missed it if that was happening. But I mean, 
I don't know. I think the main thing would be like someone else decides if you win. It's a little different because it's not a jury, but it's still like a panel of people. So I think to me, that was like the main similarity, I guess I would say. I mean, and then obviously having different challenges too. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's a hard left turn from however many weeks of Survivor we have watched now. Stacey, I was going to say the same thing. I didn't know how to take notes for the first episode. I was like, what do I write down? Like, I, I don't, I, what, who's have, I, also, poor Food Network. Food Network did not do a good job of introducing the people off from the jump. I was like, who are these people? Nolan, who I absolutely adored because I thought he was so funny. Literally, they said his name, like, mumbled under their breath, and then he was talking. I was like, who is this? And then they didn't put his name. I was like ready for Survivor where they say his name and his profession or where he works or where he's from. And it said nothing. And I was like, who is this man? It really bothered me. But um, I think this show in general was, it was just interesting to, to watch compared to Survivor because I agree with you, Nick. I don't necessarily think there was a winner's edit. If anyone got it, it was Sarah. Like the person you liked the best at the end was Sarah. And I don't know if that was because she was more endearing. She loved Christmas the most. Like, <laughs> is that why I liked her the most? If anyone got a winner's edit, it was her. I was convinced she was going to win. And then she did it. And I was like, oh, rude. Um, so for me, I feel like she was the one who got the winner's edit. But I think in, re- in this show, it was more about who was the most likable, not we're gonna direct you to the winner because it's pretty low stakes. It's $25,000 in a video on foodnetwork.com. So like- We're just spread in the magazine. I love the Food Network magazine, so. Um, Ellen, what about you? I know you haven't been watching Survivor with us, but you've watched reality competition shows before, America's Next Top Model, we've binged together, or like RuPaul's Drag Race, All Stars and all that stuff. So where does this kind of like line up in those comparatives for you? Actually, first of all, I was not a huge fan of Nolan. I I don't know if anyone else like did not. I just didn't connect with him. I felt so bad. I thought everyone would love him. And I was like, I don't. I connected with him on a fat kid level. But then when he left, it made sense. Do you know what I mean? Yes, a thousand percent. Anyways, (laughs) I felt like Douglas was actually getting a winner's cut. Like, spoiler alert, he does. (laughs) But um, I felt like from from the beginning but also it could be just because he won a lot mm-hmm. so he was yeah. like a main focus and what about it. you wrap us up in this combo so here's my take on it survivor is a show about people this is not a show about people this mm-hmm. isn't the point of this baking competition was not to say like here's all these different people from different walks of life who were going to throw in situations that they wouldn't otherwise like find themselves together for um these were all bakers they would probably meet in real life and they would probably get along because they all do the same thing um so it's this the story that we're being told throughout the seven episodes is not a story about the people it's a story about the baking and so I don't think one person got a better or worse edit than the other because the point was not to showcase them in that way. Also, Survivor is not necessarily a show about skill. Like you obviously have people who come on Survivor and have more quote unquote survivor, survival skills than others. And they tend to do better, but also sometimes worse because they're too good at things. Whereas this was a show where it was like, 
they're all coming in, they're on the show because they have a specific set of skills. And so the show is about showing those skills, but ultimately like, it's just, it's not a show about the people and they have fun personalities and their personalities get shown off in the edit, but they're not really fitting different archetypes the way that people on Survivor are, which I kind of enjoyed. I liked that we were given a set of bakers on this show and it didn't matter really who they were because the point wasn't the people, the point was what they were making. Like I liked that change of pace in being able to focus on something other than like how a person was being portrayed by the edit. Yeah, cause you didn't have, you can't really cast for like a type, like you can't mm-hmm. cast for a Shane or like, you know, like a fill up in a baking company. Cause like at the end of the day, they have to be able to bake. Like, right. TV, they have to be able to bake something. So unlike on Nailed It or something where they don't necessarily have to be able to bake, like you can only cast so diversely in terms of like what they bring to television, if you will. Because I actually thought diversity wise, we did okay. For eight people, we did fine. We did, we did way great. better than Survivor. We did great. Take notes, take notes, Survivor. Take like, notes. <laughs> Holiday Baking Championship is doing it better than you. And they did it by finding people who had a very specific set of skills. Like Survivor's pulling nobodies. We can, we can, we can be more diverse. But Anna, you get into this point that I wanted to bring up too, is we see like a complete separation from Survivor where Survivor is this sub-genre of competition reality shows where it is game-based and you're playing a game, a game that like you can't, you can't necessarily train for. Like you can't train to push a giant block to make a staircase that spells out the name of your tribe. Like you can't train for that. I would, I would disagree with you. I think you can train for that. And I think a lot of people do. Well, I was getting into it. Okay. I'm sorry. Because I was thinking like, you can't train for every aspect of Survivor. You can get okay for it and you can like, oh, I'll learn how to make fire. Oh, I'll learn how to get water. I'll look up like the best way to build a shelter out there. I'll look up basic survival skills and maybe I'll brush up on like parts of like my social aspect and like being nice to people and things. But there's no way of going into that game and being like, I have all these skills and I know how I'm going to play and I know how I'm going to do it and I know what I'm going to do to win because Survivor changes so often and it's a game that is decide like that is meant to mess you up and that it's unpredictable whereas we see this profession based competition where you go in and you have to have these skills you know you need to be able to match flavors together you need to be able to know how to bake things out of your mind without a recipe you need to know these basic things and you train for that specifically and it's just a very different type of competition than one based around a game where this is based around your profession and to me it almost stings a little bit more like when when you're (laughs) when you're eliminated and they're like your cake tastes like shit and they're like well this is my entire career so (laughs) bye like it has to hurt a little bit more whereas in survivor it's just like oh you didn't play the game well enough who cares this isn't going to affect your real life necessarily in a way but like being told you're a bad baker it's gonna be a hurt to the ego well i was gonna say if you think about it right people who've played survivor have even said sometimes it's literally about luck Like there is an aspect of luck to Survivor, even if you are like, you've trained for the physical challenges, you've thought about your social strategy, 
there is an aspect of luck to that game that you kind of don't have in this baking show, except for maybe the coffee challenge where you pull the green apple flavoring. That was bad luck. But I do think you're totally right, Nick. And I think this is true of Top Chef, Project Runway, America's Next Top Model even. Like they're critiquing you on the profession you have and or want to have. Mm-hmm. And so it's, um, it's a bit of a risk to go on. I think of Project Runway, especially because fashion is such a hard industry to break into as a designer. And so to go on and then for them to be like, this was hideous on national television, I feel like it's, it's a hard <coughs> bash on your brand, if you will. Yeah, this is definitely a different type of competition show in that way, because it does reflect on what you've dedicated all of your time to. A lot of the contestants, and I think we saw in this show, they don't get a lot of cutaways and we don't get to know them personally, the contestants. We just get to know them (laughs) in way of the show. But I'm thinking to like RuPaul's Drag Race where a drag queen comes in very much in like season 12, Britta comes in and she's like, I'm the queen of New York. Everybody knows my name. I'm the biggest drag queen of New York City. And then she does terrible on the show. And she got like dragged on social media. And it's just like, there's just different consequences of going onto a show that is solely based on your profession than a show that is based on playing this random game. Ellen, I'm actually kind of curious about like what you think, because what if like you went on to like a photography based show and like the first week they're like, that sucks. You're going home. Like, I don't, I just feel like that's so harsh. I mean, if you're going on to one of these shows that have to do with your profession, you're already going in with some sort of confidence and almost slight ego because you're thinking, I could totally win this. So you have to be ready for the criticism and the critique you're going to be getting. I personally would never go on to something like that because I'm not ready and I would have a full-on breakdown. And I'd be like, you're totally right. This does suck. I am so sorry for wasting your time. But I think any reality competition show, whether it be Survivor or um, Project Runway, you're going on with some sort of notion that you can totally win this and you might be or can be or are the best. I think that's the fun of a competition show, whatever type it is, something like profession-based, is that you're only going to be brought on the show if you are good enough to hit that certain level. But then the point of the show is to throw you curveballs and to say like, we know you know how to do this in your bubble, but we're going to put you in a time limit and we're going to throw like random flavors or random materials at you. Like I think of something like Project Runway where someone might go in and be like, I know I can make a bomb ass dress. I know I can make a sick pair of pants. But when someone's like, make these pants out of garbage and you only have an hour, like I feel like the people that go on these shows, you have to be confident enough in your profession and in your innate ability to like do your skill but you have to be prepared and you have to know in your mind that like, I'm not just getting asked to make a pair of pants. Like I'm getting asked to make pants out of trash or like, I know I can make a delicious chocolate cake, but all of a sudden I have to make a cake in a quarter of the usual time and I can't use chocolate and I have to use like star anise. So I think you have to go into it being prepared for that and just being like, I know, I, I know I'm good at my job, but this is not my job. <laughs> this is right. different really do have to have like thick skin to even attempt or you know decide to try this um and I think potentially some of them were trying to get more exposure too I mean it could be like even if they don't think they're gonna win they're like 
either way, I'll be on TV <laughs> and, you know, maybe someone will look me up or come see my bakery. So, it, it, you know, it could help your profession or it could hurt it if, you know, you get like ridiculed by the judges in week one. And I think that brings us to like the next aspect, because I don't think any baker got like full on ridiculed. They mm-hmm. definitely got harsh criticism, but it wasn't, you know, like they didn't have Jeff Probst yelling at them. You're doing terrible. Get it together. It's just, it's this different area and genre. And it brings me to this idea of like, both shows are considered family shows to watch. You know, they're prime time. You can sit down, watch them with your mom and dad. I, in fact, made my parents watch this entire season in one night. (laughs) But it's very different areas of family friendly. And I feel like you really see that difference from G to PG when you're comparing these two shows. I think I know where you're going with this, Nick. So I noticed a few things on Holiday Baking Championship that made it feel very like kid and family friendly. One was the theming in general. It's clearly like targeted at a specific audience. They want it to be cute. They want it to be fun. Everyone on the show, even if they like got eliminated early was like, I love Christmas. Like cookies are the best. Like this is so fun. And like on Survivor, people are miserable like three quarters of the time. And so that's like a more realistic view, but it's also just like, it's not meant to be cute, right? Survivor's meant to be like, these are people living together trying to survive. And the purpose of this was to be like, don't you just love the holidays? Like let's bake together, which I think made it really family friendly. Something that I noticed a lot in this show was they'd say a word like crack which is part of making the little um, cream puff things. The shoe buns, if you will. See, I, I watch Great British Bake Off and they make the crackalon on the top and like Douglas just throws that word out there and I've watched eight seasons of Great British Bake Off so I obviously know what he means and I'm like, oh, no one's going to explain it. No one knows what's going on. But then they just throw a definition up on the bottom of the screen like crackalon. It's the cookie part that you put on top of the cream puff that makes it have a texture on top. And you're like, that's very kid friendly. Like you're telling me what it is. Like you're explaining it to me. And so for, I think in that respect, when they're editing the show together and putting the show together, they were thinking more as an education based thing. Like you can enjoy this and you'll enjoy the holidays, but there was this, a like undertone of, we're also going to educate you on how to do this. That was very different because you can't do that in the middle of Survivor. Like this is called a social strategy. Like you can't like pop that up (laughs) on the screen. Do you know what I mean? But here it was like, not only are you going to watch some like really cute Christmassy things, you're also going to like learn something. I think that comes back to the fact that it's on Food Network, which is a channel you're supposed to go to watch how to cook and get recipes. And so I think that's just, I think that's something like to keep in mind too. Also, can we please contact the producers of Survivor to make them put up pop-ups about random things happening? Because that would be so important to me and I need it immediately. <laughs> I, mean, I don't I don't know that it's so much the difference in family-friendly programs versus like just the difference in what networks they're on. Like they're for different audiences and thus like they're going to be different tonalities in each show. But I will say in terms of like family-friendly within the context of other Food Network shows, like I think of something like Chopped, which is like, I guess it's family-friendly, but Chopped is a show for adults. Like it is a serious <laughs> show. 
and it just has like a different tone, you know, like it's for grownups. Don't watch it if you're a kid. It's not for you. Um, but for me, yeah, I guess I didn't think so much about like the family friendly aspect of the two shows in comparison, but more so just like the difference in reality competition show network to network and like what audiences are watching, what networks and what demographics they're trying to hit. Like this is obviously Food Network's demographic, whereas like it is not CBS. It's not. And with that, I think it's about time we talk a little bit more about this show and what we actually watched. Starting off with the guide, the hostess with the mostess. How did he get this job? Nobody knows. Jesse Palmer was the host. I don't know who this is. He brought me delight though, and he was fun to look at. Stacy, I heard you know who this strange man is. Please explain it to me. Yeah, when Aggie like sent a um, a text to everyone circling this man and saying, "Who is this?" I, and then I started watching, and I was like, "It's Jesse Palmer." <laughs> like, duh. Duh. <laughs> you need I, to explain this duh because nobody else had this duh moment. Just you. Maybe as, some of our listeners know who he is because they're in the same boat as Stacy. I mean, as an avid Bachelor franchise fan i did watch the bachelor back in let me double check 2004 when how old was i in 2004 you were in eighth grade maybe i watched it after but i think i did watch some episodes because my dad used to watch it but anyway he was the bachelor the first canadian bachelor which i'm canadian american so maybe that's another reason i kept up with him he was i think he was a football player i think he um played college football and pro football and then he went on the bachelor he was the bachelor he didn't end up with his um final pick and then he became like just a random host he did a lot he does i think some like i don't know if it's espn or some other sports channel broadcasting and then he was also the host for um oh what was that show it was like million dollar something. It was it was some kind of dating show, but it was very very chaotic and confusing. Joe Millionaire? No, oh, I wish I, I'm sure Millionaire I'll find Matchmaker. It. No, it only had like one season. Oh, of course. Um, but anyway, he I mean he's kind of random. If you, you have to really be a very very avid Bachelor fan to know about him, because he doesn't make like appearances on the shows now. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is nice to look at while you're watching some baking. So is there you he go. a baker? Is he related to baking? At all? <laughs> I don't think so. Wait, guys, <laughs> he also hosts a four episode television show called Bake Away Camp with Martha Stewart. <laughs> He's knowledgeable uh-huh. about baking people. There has to be something. He's an at home chef. What are we missing? What are we missing? I feel feel like, yeah, we're missing a piece of information. Jesse Palmer, if you're listening, I need to know. I need to know what got you into baking. Like, how are you in all of these shows about baking? Jesse Palmer, call me if you're single. Please, let us know. So handsome, let us know. Well, besides Jesse Palmer, we did have three qualified judges. One of them I identified with so hard, and I'll leave that up to y'all to guess who it is. We had Lorraine Pascal, who Anna described her as just very posh. It's posh spice. Pumpkin spice, spice. posh spice. We got them all. (laughs) Then we had (laughs) Duff Goldman, the ace of cakes, not to be confused with the cake boss, who is Buddy. (laughs) That is a TLC show. So he's not involved in Food Network. 
And then we have the queen of queens, Nancy Fuller, who's just a casual alcoholic. And I love it. I'm obsessed with her. She gave me everything I needed and more. What do we think about our judges? The range, the difference. Honestly, what I looked at, I was like, okay, we have the Simon Cowell in Lorraine. We have the Randy Jackson in Duff Goldman. And then we had the Paula Abdul and Nancy Fuller, who's just a lush. <laughs> I loved them. I was obsessed with them. I thought they were funny. But I also thought they were good judges. I thought they gave good critiques. And they were, like, you could tell that they are professionals in baking and that they were able to judge them fairly and correctly. Ellen, what did you think? I mean, you can always tell when they're professionals, when they take the little tiny bites and they just, like... <laughs> I, I can't do that. I want everything in one bite. So Nancy did that a couple times where you would just see like a giant piece of like cake and with everything on it. So I was very appreciative of that because I was like, as a normal person, my, uh, first of all, they never finished the full plate, which is very upsetting to me. If you really they like had nine plate, different dishes to I don't eat. Care. I'm gonna lick the plate clean if I like it. And, there, and I, there will still be room for the eight other desserts that are possibly there. I thought they were a good mix of judges. I like Duff a lot. He's just funny. And I like the rapport between Duff and Nancy, how they're always kind of just joking and poking fun at each other. Yeah, Anna, straight up to you. Hey, riddle me this. Is Nancy Fuller the woman that they replaced Paula Dean with on the Food Network? So because she gave me very much discount Paula Dean vibes, and I know that Paula Dean made some not so great comments a couple years back. And I think this is the woman that they were like, Here you go, a new Paula Dean. And she just she's not quite the same. I assume she's not also racist because we hired her to replace Paula Dean for being racist, but she doesn't quite bring the same depth of personality. She seems very flat. Um, I'm sure she's a lovely woman, but that was the vibe that I got was that she was sort of like an empty shell of Paula Deen vibes. And then the Ace of Cakes was like, I'm here. I'm a cake person. I'm known for like making these extravagant desserts. Sweet, got it. And then Lorraine was also like knowledgeable, but kind of a nobody. And that's nothing on her. That's just me. I don't watch baking shows. So maybe she is somebody and I just don't know. Yeah, that's pretty much my whole take on the judges. I will say Lorraine hosts or judges a lot of these baking shows on the Okay. Like the Halloween baking championship. Her and Duff. She obviously knows her stuff. So I was like, I'm happy about that. But I personally didn't know who she was. And I didn't love um, the way that her mouth moved when she spoke. Aggie or Stacey, did you have any thoughts on our judges? I actually... My bigger issue with the judges, I actually liked all of them pretty equally. Um, None of them really bothered me. I did feel discount Paula Deen vibes around Nancy Fuller. I felt like her only joke was that she was an alcoholic, which (laughs) if you guys watch Great British Bake Off, Prue is also known and so is Mary Berry based on when you're watching. They're both known for liking a lot of booze, but it's like funny. And here you're just like, are you good? Like, Duff makes some like pretty snarky comments about it. And then it's like, but, but, but I love you. And I'm like, do you? I, I don't think that's accurate, Duff. But my bigger issue with it is I could not tell what their criteria for judging was. Was there criteria or was Therein it? Therein lies the problem, Nick. 
there <laughs> lies the problem because you had two, like there were two competing ideas in this show. One, did you meet the challenge brief? And then two, did you do the, did you do the twist? <laughs> and it seemed like sometimes they cared if the twist went well and sometimes they didn't. And it wasn't based on the challenge. It was based on the contestant. It was like so-and-so's was good, but they didn't do the twist. And then it was like so-and-so's was bad, but they did the twist. And I'm like, what is your criteria? I don't understand. Aggie again is a teacher. She likes a good rubric probably. So this, yeah. was, <laughs> this was a challenge. Uh, it wasn't very, yeah, uh, consistent. Yeah, it was just, it's just different when you don't, like, it, since I don't watch many of these shows, like, I didn't, I recognize Duff, but I didn't recognize the others, um, and so I just, I didn't feel that connected to them, you know. And they don't write a narrative for the judges in any yeah. way, like, in Great British Bake Off, I'm going to keep comparing it because it's the most like it that I can think of, like, Top Chef's very different, just in terms of what they're cooking and what the criteria are for that, but here I was like, in Great British Bake Off, Prue and Paul have, like, a lot of screen time, for them being the judges, they have a lot of screen time. They have their own like moment where they go and eat the real technical together and teach the audience about what they're supposed to make while the ba while the bakers are cooking. They always part participate in the cold open. It's like, you know them as judges and you like them. This was literally like Jesse Palmer every time was like, let me remind you who our judges are. And I'm like, it's good thing you're introducing them because I definitely didn't remember who they were or what they were about. And I felt that way every episode is like, all right, there are people in here to judge because like they're not watching the bakers cook they literally show up to eat the food and leave I, they're just like barely there they're ancillary characters and it bothered me right like on bake-off they're not just judges they're also the hosts and so they're more of a part of the show oh right here, like we have a host and then we have separate judges but like great british bake-off also has hosts it has those two characters that are just running around mostly noel and sandy but like it was also Noel and Matt in the newest season, like those are the hosts, but Prue and Paul kind of, I, I guess it's more they do both. Mm -hmm. Whereas like in this, it's literally the judges judge your food and that is all they're good for and all they're there for. Okay, that's a fair point, Anna, I'll take it. Or even like on Nailed It, like I think of someone like Nicole Byer, who's like, she's a judge on the show, but she's also a host and they have host presence throughout the show, like throughout the competition. Whereas here, you don't see the judges until it's time to judge. Like yeah. they're not part of the banter. They're not part of popping around the kitchen, checking on things. And I think that's the difference that makes you feel connected when you're watching. I think it's also like, I mean, this might be getting a little too deep for Food Network, but if you have the judges so involved in the banter or so involved in like, hanging out with the contestants, watching them bake, they have to form a little bit of bias. And when you're trying to be as fair as possible and like only go off of the food, you don't want them to be like, oh, like, I don't know. Like you don't want them to like think fondly of one person over the other based on like what they see in the kitchen. And that might be giving Food Network a little bit too much credit, but I think that's very possible as well. Question, does Jesse get to eat? any of the food I saw one point he got he got Nancy scooped something into his mouth but I was thinking about like cupcake wars and that that guy that host uh gets to try everything does Jesse I think like the some of the judges save him a bite from what I've heard on other food network shows like chopped Ted doesn't get to eat the food 
but one of the judges always saves him a bite if he thinks it's good and so I feel like that's kind of like the take here it's not part of the challenge to make Jesse a plate but I think the judges are always like here you can have a little bit if you want well because they added his favorite quote-unquote favorite ingredient that whatever maple syrup in that one part and I was like is he even eating any of that <laughs> Very like making a, like a whole cake in a lot of cases and only cutting three slices so I sure like I sure do hope someone's eating that cake like behind the whether scenes whether it's Jesse or them or the crew like don't throw it away um but the show was made up of two main aspects to it we had the preheat which was um a quick fire competition to get an advantage and that would carry you into the main heat and the main heat was the weekly elimination challenge. Now with the main heat came weekly twist, whether this was a random ingredient you needed to incorporate into your dish halfway through baking it or no, that was pretty much it. Or you had to add a random decoration, but it was always just like, huh, you've been baking for an hour and a half. Here's a random thing you need to put in there, which I think is just crazy and difficult. Jesse always had a like little story to tell (laughs) why we were doing this. True, true, true. It was never random. It was just an added thing that you had to do. What did y'all think of the main heats and the preheats? My biggest concern was that I get that the preheat was to win an advantage, but aside from that, it didn't seem to play into the judging at all. Like if you had a really bad main heat round, but you won the preheat, like I don't, it didn't seem like that was taken into account in the judging or maybe it was and we just didn't see that part of it. But I was a little bit like, oh, I wish that that played into it a bit because I think it was the episode where Chantal got eliminated and she won the preheat, won the advantage, and then was sent home. And I was like, didn't, aren't they going to at least be like, take it into account that she won the first part? Like, does that have any effect on the way that they're judging? But I did like that they got something for winning the first round. And I liked the advantages that they got. I thought that they were worthy of like a reward, I guess. Were there any like specifically like really fun preheats or main heats that were interesting to watch? Personally, I liked the one on fruitcake because fruitcake is such a widely hated holiday dish. But for some reason, it's still always around and you always find one magically, but nobody ever likes it. So I'm always like, why do we have this? (laughs) And so I thought it was an interesting challenge that they had to incorporate parts of it and then also incorporate the actual fruitcake into the dish. So what about like y'all, did you have any fun parts that you thought were really interesting to watch? Um, I mean, I liked the four pies in one pan one. That was a preheat, right? That's also a BuzzFeed video. BuzzFeed <laughs> cooking has done it. <laughs> um, Stacy, that was one of my favorites too. Yeah. Well, I liked how at first it was kind of like, they didn't even say at first that it would be a partner thing or like a team thing. So they're all like, what? And then they kind of explained it. So, I mean, I oh, like the twist that never returned partner <laughs> slash team challenges. Oh, uh, yeah. One. I was like, oh, we're done with this. I was like, is this normal? Is it just for this one episode? I don't understand. Was it just because four pies would be difficult to make for one person? I think so. I think I that was the main reason. But yeah, I did like that one. Uh, Aggie, what about you? Did you have one that you really liked? I did like 
the one where they had to make a shoe pastry family <laughs> based <laughs> on, on like a specific thing. And it didn't make any sense. It was actually really difficult to do because the only one of them that, the only two of them that lent themselves to that shape were snowmen and Santa. Like making elves out of that didn't make sense. Making reindeer out of that definitely didn't make sense. Making penguins out of it hard didn't make sense. So I was like, who thought up this challenge? Because I will say, I've watched a lot of food competitions. I love them. Remember in our intro episode, I talked about Top Chef being one of my like ride or die competition shows. And I was just like, I don't think we thought this through entirely. It was fun to watch, but also very messy. I was like, this hasn't been executed as well as I think they thought it was going to be. And that one was so clearly Douglas's challenge with the Santas. Cause I was like, nothing else looks like what they said it was supposed to look like. I was like, no one else did this well, but like, it was fun. Actually, Julia's elves were cute, but she had to like basically make fondant to turn them into elves. They were just snowmen with elves on them. Like that was my problem with so many of the challenges is that there were clear, easier routes based on the criteria they were given. Like if you have to make little profiterole families, like, and you get snowmen, you are just, you have such an advantage over anyone else. Same thing with the coffee syrup. Like if you get any flavor that you would put in coffee, great. If you get green apple, like, how is that fair? Didn't Lerome get the snowman and they were like, have you ever seen a snowman before? And he was like, <laughs> yeah, no, he like didn't make them white. They were just like pastry color. Yeah, they're like, you've never seen a snowman, have you? But also he was like, no, I live in Miami. And I was like, that's fair. Yeah. That's <laughs> fair. I don't think that's fair. You've never seen a Christmas commercial? I mean, in Australia, like, they don't have snowmen. They make them out of sand, but, like, the concept But is you know what a snowman looks like. But you know what they look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because his response was, I grew up in Jamaica, and then I live in Miami, and I don't know what a snowman is. And Lorraine was straight up like, no. You know what a snowman looks like. They all, it's funny when any of them would try to, like, make an excuse, and the judges would be like, was that your actual plan? Or are you just saying that now? Because it looks... Because it happened. In that same competition, whoever had the penguins, he couldn't get them to stand up. So then he was like, I just, you know, I like to pile up with my family or something. And they're like, that's not, that's not you. But also, like, to make a penguin, you have to have, like, a long shoe bun. So that's automatically not going to stand up. So you're at a disadvantage because to make your shape, you had to like go against the chair. I don't know. I had issues with some of these challenges. I had issues. Ellen, what do you think about the challenges? Not just the shoe pastry family. <laughs> Any fun challenge that you liked in particular? Um, well, number one was the pie. The four one pies like Stacy. You know I love pie. I just Ellen love is a pie girl. Everything about pie. It's so happy. No one can be mad eating pie. Um, but also I liked the Hanukkah. It was um, the rugula. 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 Okay. I liked. <laughs> I liked that they threw that in for a little something different. Um, because I appreciated it. And I said, you know, it's nice to include stuff it says holiday baking championship it didn't say christmas baking champ you know it didn't say a specific one it's a holiday so i i appreciated that one but the pies was obviously my favorite i kept being like i want every single pie there 
I want to eat it. It sounded so good. That was the one challenge where everything they served, I was like, I want to eat it. <laughs> yeah. And there was like raisins in one or something. And I was like, I'd still try it. I would probably, figs, maybe it was figs. I don't know. Something that I was like, mm. but it looked delicious. <laughs> I liked the Yule logs. I actually did too. I thought it was a really <laughs> fun first challenge. It was so um, do, crafty. My thing with the Yule logs though was, I think it was Nolan who made a stand up cake. And I'm like, okay, but to be clear, that's not a Yule log. Like a Yule yeah. log is a rolled cake. Yeah. Like everybody else at the competition did, and you made a stand-up three-layered cake to look like a tree. Like <laughs> he, like he kind of didn't get in that much trouble, guys. That was the he didn't problem. Say anything right? Too. Where's the criteria? Okay, there was. <laughs> there was the rubric. I I was just There's just another like, reason. I was just like, that's not a Yule log. Like a Yule log dessert is an actual thing. <laughs> another reason I didn't love him. I said that was such. Such bullshit. Is there a lot? Is there swearing a lot on this? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, oh. fuck yeah. You say heck yeah, Anna. <laughs> well, we didn't really talk about many of the contestants. Spoiler alert Douglas won the $25,000. None of us were that happy. I think we were all Team Sarah or Sarah. Team Rome. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, congrats, Douglas. We gave the money to a white man. Typical! Typical! straight nonetheless oh a straight nonetheless but we did have a fun crazy character that i put as an honorable mention because i was obsessed with her she was a home baker she (laughs) was miss julia and oh my god i don't think she knows where she was or how she signed up for this show but she was there jesse was just like is this like a christmas flavor she's like i like it I'm like, that's, that's, that's not the question, Julia. That wasn't the question they asked. Or she would present it to the judges and be like, in my family, we do this. And they're all like, okay. But uh, she also just like, I mean, with that though, she brought in different flavors, I think coming from a different country and having different experiences around the holidays. She was able to bring in those unique flavors that aren't so traditional. And I think she was liked by the judges for that reason but I think it also hindered her as well. She also, wasn't she the one like hitting on Aaron a little bit? I mean, on Jesse a little bit? I can't yes. remember. Yes. That flirtatious love. <laughs> and if you were on this show and you're not hitting on Jesse Palmer, what are you doing here? Well, she what kept being like, it was after he said he had a Brazilian girlfriend and she was like, do you want another one? Hmm. I could be your Brazilian girlfriend. And is she the one who danced with him, or was that someone else? I someone like dance. No, that was her. Danced with him. Right, she was a queen, a queen for the people. This is why Julia was our honorable mention. Julia, hit us up. Come on our podcast. Everybody else on this show, you were unmemorable. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't unmemorable. I like. Oh, yeah, Sarah. And Sarah. Okay, I take I rescind my I rescind my previous statement. <laughs> but with that, we are going to jump and dive on into the last part of our podcast, which is rapid fire questions. If anyone wants to write us a rapid fire theme song, we will play it before we do rapid fire questions. We do need more segue music. Fire theme song. We're no, Nick, I don't want you to write it. I want a fan to write it. Yeah. <laughs> rapid fire bow, 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 bow. holly jolly rapid fire merry christmas happy hanukkah happy kwanzaa 
What is that? Was a terrible transition. I was just diving right into the question, like Jeopardy over here. Um, there's a lot of different classical flavors that are centered around the holidays that they brought up a lot of. Was it like gingerbread, pumpkin spice, sugar cookie, peppermint, etc.? What is your personal favorite flavor to have around the holidays? I'm gonna jump in. I love peppermint, especially. Coffee Mate has this peppermint mocha coffee creamer. And oh my God, it is so important to me. Me and my sister, we buy like three bottles of it and freeze it so that we have it throughout the whole year because it's only available November, December, and January. And it's so good. It's so good. Ellen, what about you? Favorite classical holiday flavor? I love pumpkin. I love pumpkin. I am a pumpkin. <laughs> She's a pumpkin. <laughs> That's <girl>. all. <laughs> Just pumpkin. No, I love all of them, honestly. I'm I'm not a huge peppermint person, but if it's done right and doesn't taste like she doesn't toothpaste. discriminate. She doesn't. She'll even try eggnog stuff. And she's not a very big eggnog girl. But listen, you put a dessert in front of me. <laughs> I'm I'm most likely going to not only just eat it but eat all of it normally but like it has to be bad for me to be like mm. <laughs> but also is chocolate can I just say chocolate too just because I really like chocolate it's not a holiday flavor but sure <laughs> listen that's why we brought you on the pod Ellen Tastes like that yeah <laughs> bringing in all the like all the way Aggie what about you favorite holiday flavor um Nick we have the same one I actually love a good peppermint bark yes peppermint bark is I thought it was gonna be bad because I actually so I like peppermint flavoring I'm not one to like chew on a candy cane it's like a little too much but I love peppermint flavor in things and for some reason when you like double cook peppermint like in peppermint bark, it's somehow delicious. I don't get it and it doesn't break your teeth. I'm like, I don't know how this magician thing happened. Holiday Baking Championship, if you understand the science, please let me know. Like, <laughs> why is it not difficult to eat peppermint when it's in bark? But if I'm just like sucking on a candy cane, I literally have to suck on a candy cane for like four hours. I, it's too much work. But I also love a good peppermint hot chocolate. Mm. A little peppermint hocho, if you will. Um, so that's like... That's my fave. Uh, I feel like I already know the answer to yours, but why don't you give it to us anyway? Yeah, I mean, my number one is pumpkin. I make the pumpkin pies. I love a pumpkin spice latte. I love, I mean, I'm burning a pumpkin spice latte candle right now (laughs) that I just ordered. Um, But I I mean, peppermint is a close second. I do like um, any, I like peppermint and chocolate, any combination of that. Um, Trader Joe's has a good peppermint chocolate like cake mix that is really delicious. Hey, Stacey, what's your actual favorite cookie? My favorite cookie is Thin Mints. So, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> and I don't know why you have to wait till like February for those. It should be at the holidays. So it should be an all year thing. Stacey, well, yeah, it should be. <laughs> Anna, what about you? You've been shaking your head in a disapproving way. I can't. So. <laughs> Oh. it's not so much disapproving it's just like I I think I'm more of a Christmas scent person like I like the smell of like a fir tree or I like the smell of gingerbread but I don't actually love a lot of the flavors like I don't love gingerbread or peppermint or pumpkin I like them I just don't love them I think they're really strong flavors and it's just not 
I'd rather mm-hmm. smell it. But I think if I had to pick a flavor, I would go maybe like like Black Forest, like cherry chocolate. I don't know if that's a holiday flavor, but to me, it feels holiday-y, like wintery. Yeah. Anna, so, don't lie. You told me yesterday you love a coffee and apple flavor. <laughs> you <laughs> you were like, this is my holiday flavor, coffee apple. You love it. I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Send her no, coffee yeah. apple flavored things, please. But like, even when I get like a Starbucks, if I get a pumpkin spice latte, I get like half of the flavor amount that they normally put in. Same thing with like a peppermint mocha. I like it. It's just, there's such strong flavors and I am a weak person. (laughs) Uh, Moving on to our next rapid fire question. Our lovely ex-Bachelor host, Jesse Palmer, is truly an Oscar award-winning actor, if you ask me. (laughs) What was your favorite acting moment from King Jesse. Um, my favorite one, and I hope it's everyone's favorite one, to be perfectly honest, is episode seven, um, the semifinals, where they come in and there's a fireplace. And Jesse's like, I want you to, um, don't you like this ornament display? And then goes on to try and bite one of the actual ornaments and like basically chips a tooth. And you're like, why did you do this? And he's like, you guys are going to make edible ornaments. And I was like, the stretch to make that a realistic <laughs> entrance to the show is thin, sir. But also, like, you maybe broke your tooth for a joke? Like, no, Jesse Palmer. <laughs> but also, yes. But no. <laughs> so that's it. That's mine. Who that's has a good choice? One? That was a good choice. It's uh-huh. not as good as yours, though, Ellen. So you should say yours. Oh, well, mine is when he's in a great vat of cranberries. He's How do you get in there? Bog, Ellen. How, what, what is it, a bog? Yeah, ocean spray could never. Listen, ocean spray could never. I, but yeah, Jesse in the, in the, whatever that thing is called of cranberries, I want to know, is it just cranberries? Is there water? <laughs> is there foam? And then the cranberries. Are the cranberries we, real? These are questions that must be answered. Why does he need help getting out of the bog? Is the that question is I have. that is the question? <laughs> Who left him in there? Where was production for like at least thirty minutes? Like Larome is deep in his baking when Jesse's like, "Is anyone gonna help me?" And I'm like, "What?" Honestly, he should have got an extra advantage for helping. True that. <laughs> Here's the thing, guys. I don't know that I have a, a favorite because I found them all quite off-putting. Um, <laughs> I was like, this man is hosting the show and he's not doing a very good job. Um, I didn't appreciate his puns. His, Are you kidding? His food puns. Because what his delivery wasn't... Cakewalk out of here. They were yeah. so bad. I wrote down so many of them. But what I will say is I, I liked how much the contestants also didn't enjoy his puns and his acting. But by the end, they had warmed to it so much so that in the final challenge when he was like, the twist is there's no twist and everyone was like thank god okay no no more of your nonsense let me do my job it was the moment when he was like you all had to add key lime to your dessert and then it cut to commercial break and then it came back he's like <laughs> jk <laughs> jesse shut up <laughs> stacy what about you yeah I, I mean he just had a lot of he was just very cheesy you know um i mean 
there's so many i think even when he just like he told them the rules to one of the preheats and then he just like walks through that imaginary door and they're like is he coming back and then he's like oh by the way time has started he was just he was a lot <laughs> so uh, i can't pick one but that that one stands out to me wait guys he also on the hanukkah episode goes if you're not familiar with hanukkah maybe you're familiar with rugula and everyone was like no like i don't know hanukkah i don't know rugula and he was like well you're gonna make it and they were all like why jesse god he said many ridiculous things it was just so evident that he wasn't writing his own material and i think that's why it felt so foreign is i was like your delivery is off and it makes me realize that you didn't come up with this stuff which makes it a lot worse it's like if you're gonna be like a punny person it needs to be authentic to you because like it needs to be you you gotta own that shit like nicole buyer on nailed it queen of my life my everything my best friend my true true best friend she has these stupid corny puns but it's just like so authentically nicole buyer you're just like (laughs) you can get away with it she also maybe wrote them herself right that's what i'm saying because she's like actually a comedian yeah all the reasons y'all hate him are all the reasons i love him (laughs) the the puns are my favorite a man can get to my heart with any really bad pun there was some moments that <laughs> judges were pulling a Jeff Probst and they need to be put in their place. They need a vibe check. <laughs> when, which judge do you think needs the harshest vibe check and when was that turning point for you? Go, Aggie. It's the challenge where they've made all these weird coffee flavors and then they've had to add biscotti and everyone's like, what the fuck is happening? But someone makes ice cream, I think, and Doug, Doug, Doug. Duff, yikes. Duff says to, he says to Nancy, did they even have ice cream back then? I was like, I was like, it's a little savage, don't you think? Like, what? Rude. And then he goes, JK. And she's just like, she's like, has food in her like spoon. And she's like, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's my vibe check of the season. And then he, he just kind of makes snide comments. I can't tell if he likes Nancy or hates Nancy. It's very unclear. And could turn on a dime. I have no idea if he likes or hates her. Ellen, what about you? Which which judge needs a vibe check? Probably when Nancy says, it's too much bourbon in this or too much rum. And I was like, girl, you keep yelling at them to put more in. They put more in and then you said too much. You can't change your character trait in the middle of a show. And the I think it was Chantal who literally put extra in because she was like i put a half a bottle in i appreciate it that's what you wanted exactly what about you who needs a vibe check um i think all of them during that cream puff competition because they were (laughs) (laughs) like they were just all so harsh of like i don't know what this looks like (laughs) but it tastes okay (laughs) except for like the one that they actually liked and the whoever made the reindeers the reindeer they did not I thought they kind of looked like reindeer. I did too. I did too. I felt like it was a harsh critique. Anna, what about you? Wait, wait, wait. Duff called them a herd of corgis. Yeah. Like, that's unkind <laughs> and inaccurate. Uh, for me, it is Lorraine. And it's the moment when they've done the challenge where they have to make 
a cake with like a mixture of flavors and Sarah gets um, Speculoos cookies. Um, and Lorraine has the audacity to say that they don't have them in Britain, which is just not true because I had never had one until I went to Britain. And then I ate them all through college. Like Lotus Biscoff cookies are exactly what they were talking about. And like, you girl bought those pretty much weekly at Tesco. So like, I don't know where Lorraine's from. Maybe they didn't have them, but like, it just seems like a lie because you definitely have those in Britain. They're the yeah. most European cookies. Like, <laughs> what do you mean you don't have them in Britain? Like, you you do. Mm. You do. Yeah. I they're not called that. But, like, they have them. I just found it odd. Hmm. I had the same moment, Anna, but it was for me when she was eating it, and she was like, well, I don't taste any speculous cookie in here. And she's like, well, maybe I just don't know what they taste like. But then she's continuing to say that she doesn't taste it in the dessert. And Duff's just like... Well, it's a spice, like it's a spice. But then earlier it's, in that same judging, know. she's like, I love these because they remind me of the flavors of Christmas. And you're like, do you know what it is or do you not, Lorraine? Yeah, she was having a moment. She was just like, I don't know, she was having a moment. And speaking of chefs who had moments, there are some big old flops on this show of just things going wrong. And I want to start us off because there is one moment that I rewatched because it was so funny to me. When Larome's cake, he takes it out of the blast freezer, goes (laughs) run it to his station, and it just slides off, and everything is in his hands. And he's just standing there like, uh, what do I do? I don't know what to do now. I'm like, why did you pick up a cake with your bare hands? There was a tray. There was a tray. (laughs) You just took it with your bare hands. You did this to yourself. I was so confused. Anna, what about you? A big old bacon flop. Oh, mine would have to be in the challenge when they had to make cakes and it gets to what has been edited to look like the end of the challenge. And Dan is like, oh no, we were supposed to make one cake. And he had made like 10 mini cakes. And I was like, I don't know what got lost in translation, but you, you the challenge was make a cake and you made like little balls. But he somehow figured out how to make it work, I guess. But I was like, dude, what what did you misunderstand about make a cake? That was also the one time they were specific in like what kind of dessert it had to be. Make a cake. I think was it stuffed cakes? Was that <laughs> what it was? And he made like mini little like stuffed. Yeah, it buns? was. A- uh, no, sorry. What about you? A big old baking flop. There was one where you had to put something in the cake, like a design. Was that the stuffed cake one? It might have been no, the last no. one. The, it was in the final. Yeah, that, so in the final. Yeah, when I think Sarah made the one with like an ornament in the middle and then when she like cuts it to show it to them, it just, it literally flopped. So that is my <laughs> She had a good recovery, but I was just like, oh man, that That's you lost it. You lost the competition. <laughs> Ellen, what about you? A flop. I, thought, I was gonna say the same exact thing because I was really rooting for her yeah. when she cut it and three seconds in it flopped over and it looked so beautiful when she first cut it it was so good she could have won but they were really that that definitely I don't think yeah that was the main one that I focused on I mean got <laughs> the coffee and apple just was a flop but that was that was just sad to watch I, I couldn't I was so sad 
I mostly enjoyed too that she literally served it separately from her dessert. She was she like, knew. I know it doesn't work. She Sorry. knew. <laughs> Who puts fruit and coffee together? Rude. No uh, Aggie, a baking flop? Oh, mine is definitely when Dan makes the flattest rugula that I've ever like <laughs> And Lorraine calls them cookies. <laughs> pastry it's supposed to basically be a croissant like it literally should look like those tubes that you like unwrap and make croissants out of I was like why can't you do this like they were so flat and he's like here they are and Lorraine was like it's a very tasty cookie <laughs> I was like go My on favorite thing was like the judges were like well it tastes good but it's not arugula <laughs> no exactly also, guys, I realized we didn't talk about the time that Jesse acted like a paleontologist to extract the parts of the fruitcake. And I just <laughs> feel like we missed an opportunity to talk about his acting. What a moment. Right. <laughs> he has like chopsticks and he's like pulling the like candy cherry. <laughs> Listen, his acting is underrated. He made that. He looks so intense doing that. I believed it. So proud of himself. He was like, guys, we're extracting it. And then when he comes in with the real fruitcake for everyone and they're so mad and he's like, oops. I'm like, what the fuck is happening to you, Jesse Palmer? They also like blamed every twist on Jesse. And Jesse's like, guys, I'm simply the host. I have no control. (laughs) I have literally nothing to do. I literally walk in with a tray and say the things on the script. That's what I do. Uh, and our last rapid fire question. It feels only fitting that we end with something about the actual competition. So what preheat advantage would you most want if you were competing on the Holiday Baking Championship? Ellen, I'm going to jump to you first because I can pick on you. <laughs> you saw me trying to really think too and have that moment. It would be either the 10 minute advantage or the one where you get to trade with anyone for anything. Because what if you get the apple and coffee? You can't do anything. You know you're going home. So it would probably be, honestly, it would probably be that one. Because that's, that's the only, first of all, they did it twice, I think. So mm-hmm. they knew it was the best option. They knew it was the best thing to win. Stacy, what about you? Um, I think when Lerome could pick like his cake flavor and then none of them could pick it because didn't he choose chocolate (laughs) it's like that's such a like that's off the table I mean that's an advantage so that was a good one Aggie go I felt like Sarah had a really fun reward when she got 10 minutes of help from Duff I was kind of confused on when she used it okay right though it was like to decorate the plate and I was like I feel like he could have been more fun to have at the beginning for like a conversation about how do you plan your cakes and shit like it was kind of like a nailed it when Nicole Byer just goes and bothers someone for three minutes it was kind of like it was a way to get to know the judges and you didn't get to know him because he came in to decorate a plate but I I think that would be an advantage I would want if I was a baker that would be super fun to be able to talk to them and like see their process I think in terms of bettering you as a baker long term that's the advantage I would want uh Anna yeah, I would have to say probably the ability to trade your flavor once everyone else has picked theirs. Um, but did they also have an advantage that was you could just pick yours first? Because aren't those the same advantage? They did have pick your flavor first for a few of them, which I do think helped. But 
you also like there were times where you just ran slower than everyone else. Yeah. So like, I, I think they lost because they <laughs> ran slower than the men. Didn't love that narrative for them. Um, but yeah, I would say being able to trade your flavors because truly I think that was your ticket to win in this stupid game. <laughs> it was like, if you had bad flavors, you're going to lose. And I so maybe I guess maybe then the one where they got to give out flavors or um, ingredients and like sabotage each other. That's I know they I, weren't mean enough to actually sabotage each other though. That's what I picked. I would have done that one and I would have been like given you the most random things possible to mm-hmm. fuck you up. But I'm also a terrible person. So <laughs> we, said it, we did it. And with that, we have come to the beautiful end of discussing the holiday baking championship. Thank you so much to our dear, dear friend of the pod. Ellen Mars for joining us. Make sure to check her out on her Instagram. Welcome to Mars. And any other thing to plug, Miss Ellen? Oh, now you put me on the spot. No, no, Bend I don't. Over money. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm very honored. Thanks for thinking I'm cool and funny enough to be on this because we all know that's not true. Yeah, you know I'm the funny friend, guys. It's fine. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to this episode of Escaping Reality, the podcast. If you liked it, make sure to give us a big old thumbs up and to leave a review and to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. If you are a competitor of Holiday Baking Championship and you want to let us know what we talked about wrong or you want to come on the show, slide into those DMs. Let us know what's going on. If you want to catch up on our guest from today, Miss Ellen, make sure to check her out at her Instagram which is in the bio. We love her, deep, deep friend of the pod. And if you liked us having guests and you liked us chatting with other new fun people, let us know and we will be sure to do fun things like this again. We hope you are enjoying these bonus episodes we are putting out for y'all. If you enjoyed us watching something completely different from Survivor, drop us a comment and let us know what you want us to watch next. And happy holidays, everybody. Bye.